0: thinking about, we are yours and you are mine, Father. The depth of that, but the simplicity of that, let that overtake us, Father. Let that engulf us and really impress upon us who we are in you, Father. know you and to make you known, Father. Make that my life's journey, my life's goal, Father. This isn't just about me. This is for all. Father, I pray that our ears are open this morning to hear. Spirit, speak to us. Spirit, guide me as I share have an overflow of my love and desire to serve you father father may we have a desire to serve you with the knowledge of who we are in you and that others need to know as we set forth from here today father let today be beginning of that day of just serving you with all that we have in our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions, all committed to you, Father God. Father, I thank you for this time of just coming together as a body. Father, I pray for other churches around the city, around the nation, around this world, Father, as we gather together as one body, Bless them, Father. Keep them safe in the countries where they're gathering in, in danger. Protect them. And Father, in the churches where, Father, where you're anywhere, Father, any of the churches right now, where where your name is being professed, allow those to have ears to hear and come to a saving knowledge of you, Father. Let they today be the beginning of their journey with you. Father, I thank you for this humble, Father, humble responsibility that we have, Father God, of serving you. Just to ask that each one of us take it serious and commitment to you, Father. Today, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you guys, Mm, very good, good morning, so I know this is being recorded too, so I know most everybody already knows who I am, Uh, but I'm Tim Knutson, I'm with Dakota Hope Clinic, uh, Pastor Tim, so I'm second Timothy here today, first Timothy is uh, on a trip to Arizona, sounds like begrudgingly, he's like, I didn't really want to go, like, oh, poor Tim, going to Arizona where it's nice and hot. Yeah. So we'll pray for you, Pastor Tim. Um, so, But I am here today. Uh, I, I attend church here also, but I also uh, work at Dakota Hope Clinic as my other job. Uh, my other job is being a realtor. But first and foremost, I serve the Lord and everything that I do. And, um, and I really try to. I I want to say that confidently, but then it kind of convicts me when I say that (laughs) I want to, and I want to serve the Lord in all that I do. And so no matter what job I have, and one of my jobs is at Dakota Hope Clinic, which is a pregnancy help center that services all of North Central, Northwestern, North Dakota. And we are a pregnancy help center in that sense that we provide uh, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, I want to come up here because that speaker's kind of weird. It's like bugging in my ear. And uh, I'm like hearing myself talk. And we service all of North Central, Northwestern, North Dakota. We have pregnancy tests, ultrasounds. Uh, It's a free service that we offer. And it's way beyond that. We service both the men and the women as a couple. Uh, We really reach out to them to really encourage them to come in and take parenting classes. And then we also have a baby boutique. So when they take these classes, they earn points With the points, then they can spend them in our baby boutique, which is all brand new items and it's just amazing. It's a big, huge room with all clothes and toys and diapers and all kinds of things. And that is also a service that we offer to the community regardless if you even are a client of us. You don't have to be pregnant. You don't have to be in a crisis pregnancy. It can be just you wanna be a better parent and you wanna be a better person. I mean, we got 250 classes that they can take pertaining to, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, there's Bible studies. There's, of course, anything about babies, but then there's relationship classes, all kinds of things. And uh, so just so you know, if anybody that you know would you know benefit from that just from taking the classes, but also could benefit from partaking in some of the things in our baby boutique, um, please let them go to Dakota Hope, Dakota Hope.org, Dakota Hope. Um, but the main reason I'm here today is this is actually... Sanctity of Life Month, and today is called Sanctity of Life Day, which in 1984 Ronald Reagan um, made this a national day of observation, month too actually, because on the same date in 1973 Roe versus Wade, which some of you maybe are aware of or heard of, um, the Supreme Justices of our you know the Supreme Court saw that the rules and the laws that were on the books pertained to abortion being legal. So, you know, just to make sure people understand, they don't make laws, but what they do is they interpret the laws that are on the books. And so what was happening at that time is there was a lady named Jane Roe that, um, her name wasn't Jane Roe, her name was uh, McCovey. I can't remember her first name, I want to say. I can't remember. And she, was pregnant at the time in Texas, and she wanted to have an abortion, but they weren't allowed at that time. So she was fighting for her right to abort her third child. Her first two, she had placed for adoption. Third one, she didn't want to place for adoption. She wanted to have this option to abort the child. So that's how the whole Supreme Court thing got involved because all of a sudden she needs to have this right to abort her child. And so that all started with that simple need that she saw to abort her child. And so it went and it went to Supreme Court and they heard all kinds of you know, litigation, of course. And then they chose to say that it was legal throughout the nation. And then since then, it's ensued that roughly, I think these are very conservative numbers, that 63 million babies have been aborted since 1973. The largest number of aborted children, the largest number of, of, of any number of people killed under any kind of horrible regime that you can think of. I mean, this outweighs them all. Hitler, all of them. And and ever since then, it's been this political thing that um, has ensued since then. All of a sudden it becomes, well, this is our constitutional right. A lot of people say that. And then we, unless you're a constitutional scholar, just go, it is? What does that mean? It's your constitutional right when actually it's not at all, and regardless if it is a law that's been interpreted that way, what does the law of God say? So the sanctity of life is what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Before we do, um, I have a short video from our director. Her name is Nadia Smetana. Nadia is from Lansford, and she's a registered nurse, and she's just an amazing woman and she had a heart to start this pregnancy help center in Minot. And at the time we had six in North Dakota, this was gonna be our seventh one up here. And, and they're all kind of anonymous on their own. They don't, you know, they, there's Bismarck and Fargo and Devil's Lake are the only ones that were connected. The rest of them were just individual. And so Nadia and another lady got together and started really praying in you know, like, how do we go about this? And then uh, my wife got asked to go to one of the board meetings in the beginning, and then she came home and said, Tim, I don't need to be in that meeting, you need to be in that meeting. And I was like, what for? <laughs> and she's like, you know, well, she goes, they need some business direction. They have the right ideas, but they just don't know how about really building it. And at that time, we had a coffee business, and, you know, and so I went to the meeting, and next thing you know, I kinda got roped into helping start Dakota Hope Clinic, and that was 12 years ago now, it's hard to believe and then we opened in 2013. And Nadia has just been, she was our chairperson for a long time, and then she retired, and then about the time she retired, she actually, uh, our, our director at the time at the clinic, had left, and then when Nadia retired, we were trying to hire a director, and we couldn't find one, so then Nadia stepped into that role, just temporarily, <laughs> and now she's been there four or five years. But she uh, is now the director of Dakota Hope Clinic, and I am the director of development, so two different roles. But this morning, she's just going to give a short synopsis about Roe versus Wade, because in case you're not aware or are hearing, but it sounds like there's a very, 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 very good chance that Roe versus Wade is going to be reversed this summer. They've already had all the hearings, and we have a very conservative uh, Supreme Justice Court, and of them, uh, six, you know, are very more likely gonna vote for turning this over because everything that was originally looked at in 1973 has only gotten better for us because of the science. And it's interesting. If you look at uh, one of the ultrasounds that they had from 1973 (laughs) and compare that to now, a 4D ultrasound, 4D. I'm not even making that up. It's not a mistake in words. 4D, not 3D, but it shows the baby. You can see the eyebrows and you can see, I mean, and then when the baby moves, you can see it move. It doesn't even look real. That compared to 1973, which I could hold up this and say, oh, here's a picture of your baby. (laughs) That's the way it looks. It's like, really? And so science is just, And science is that, science is a friend of us Christians. Science is awesome. Science has actually been started because of Christianity. And science is just proving more so that life is life from conception, right? So they've heard, and even listening to some of the justices that are against this, their reasoning is so silly. It's like, how in the world did you even become a judge? It is plain out goofy. So, when that happens, though, um, we need to be, as a a body, prepared and better educated and prepared to how we're going to talk to people about this. Because it still will be a divisive issue. 49 years this has been in the makes. 49. I'm 51. That is... (laughs) So Nadia is going to talk a little bit about Dakota Hope and our role as pregnancy centers, but also our role as a church. So Mike, if you would press play.
1: Hello, my name is Nadia Smetana. I'm the director of Dakota Hope Clinic, a pregnancy help center in Minot. The month of January is Sanctity of Life Month. So we wanted to take this opportunity to give you an update on what the Supreme Court may do with Roe v. Wade. When the court decided Roe v. Wade 49 years ago, it nullified the state laws that prohibited abortion. Since then, efforts to overturn that decision have been unsuccessful, but now there is hope. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear the case that could result in the overturning of Roe. This is incredibly exciting news for us. And I want to share with you what this could mean for Dakota Hope and churches. Because each state would be able to make their own laws, most abortions would be banned in North and South Dakota, but sadly would still be available in Montana and Minnesota. The abortion clinic in Fargo would probably move to Moorhead. Because the number of unintended pregnancies likely will not decrease, it will be more important than ever for pro-life pregnancy centers like Dakota Hope to continue to offer free help and support to frightened moms and dads, both before and after the birth of their baby. About half the women who have abortions report affiliation with the Christian church. Abortion providers attempt to convince Christian women that God will understand their circumstances Women often see the abortion provider as a safe, non-judgmental place to go. If Roe is overturned, there will be more opportunities for the church. Partnerships with pregnancy centers like Dakota Hope would need to be strengthened. Prayer and advocacy must become even bolder. Moms and dads need to know that the church is a safe, helpful, and loving place to go with an unintended pregnancy when the church boldly proclaims the truth in love babies will live and moms and dads will escape a deep wound at dakota hope we are very thankful for our church partners if you'd like to know how that partnership can be made even better please reach out to us thank you and god bless
0: So, on average, national average, about 71% of the women that come into any of the pregnancy help centers claim to have Christian faith. 71%. Um, of the 71%, I think it was 34% of them had attended church the week before and the weeks before just recently, you know, so depending upon where you're at in the flow of things as far as your understanding of the Lord, your commitment to the Lord, either way there's that beginning steps of even stating that you have Christian faith. Of the girls that have had an abortion, 14% of them only felt comfortable with approaching anybody in their church to talk about it. 18% of them felt comfortable with possibly going to a pastor So we're talking very minimal. Very minimal. So now, most of the time when I go to churches to talk, I'm just doing a baby bottle campaign, which is, I think we've done here before, but I bring little baby bottles that are like little banks, and then I present them to the congregation, and they fill them up with change and bring them back. And usually, I mean, like at some churches, I literally have 90 seconds to give my pitch. 90 seconds. So, needless to say, I don't get into a whole lot, but... In the little bit of time that I've been given, there's been times when afterwards, I'll be standing in the back of the church handing out bottles, and um, on more than one occasion, I've had a woman come to me, and just real quick, I had an abortion. I haven't told anybody. And then turns and walks away. I've had some that do want to talk a little bit, but just say, I'm just not ready to talk about it yet. I had one lady, she was... Definitely older than my mom. I know that at the time. I mean, probably close. I don't know. Either way. I remember when she told me that. And She just told me she had a little tear in her eye, and she just said it under her breath, and then turned around and walked away. To think that she'd been suffering with that for all these years. So what Nadia is talking about there is the importance of us as a church body, and as a church, we need to open up that floodgate. So I'm curious, real quick. I just want to see a show of hands. Who woke up this morning? Anybody here? Ron didn't. Ron's still dead. Todd's dead. Okay. So I'm just curious. If you woke up this morning, according to the Scripture, it says that His mercies are new every day. So... His mercies are new for who? Anyone and everyone that wants to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. His mercies are new every day. So that means no matter what I did yesterday, if I confess and repent and ask for forgiveness, I am reaping the benefits of those mercies. Right? To think about that one in four women have had an abortion. That means one in four men have had an abortion. So that even in this congregation right now, odds are high that there's someone sitting in here that has had some kind of experience, whether they they themselves, their child, their mom, whoever, somebody, right, has had an abortion. And maybe they're still hurting from that Maybe they haven't recognized the mercies that are new every day. And even if they have, you know, Satan loves to hound us, doesn't he? Make us think less of ourselves Because he knows that if he can hold us down, think less of ourselves, then how can I share the love of Christ with somebody when I am such a horrible person? Who am I? to tell you anything good when I am so horrible. I did this to my child. Sanctity of life. Sanctity, sanctification of life. So, if you raised your hand and you're alive today, you have life in you and it's flowing through your veins. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 it says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Life from God was in his very breath, synonymous with the word spirit, breath and spirit. He breathed his life into man, and it says then he became a living creature, living. And then it goes on to say, Backing up, it's kind of funny where it talks about the creation of man, but then in verse chapter 1, it talks about man and woman, right? But in 1:27 it says that he created man and woman in his own image. We were all created in the image of God. It doesn't say we're all children of God, but we were created in the image of God. Every person on this earth that's ever walked on this earth, that's ever been aborted, has lived and died, was created in the image of God. What? That doesn't, I can't even comprehend that. What does that even mean? What does that even look like? To think that we're all created in the image of God. And then what was the first command? What was the first command given to man? It says, be fruitful and multiply. And just to make that a little bit more black and white, that means to have kids. Okay, that's not planting seeds and growing fruit. Okay, be fruitful and multiply. is talked about many times throughout Scripture. It's a command to us as humans. Because then it says, and then take dominion of the earth. To take control of the earth. This is over the fish even and over creepy crawly things. Because we are in the image of God. And God is in control. And He gave us this responsibility with life, life that runs through our veins. And all He asked was for us to be obedient, right? Obedient. Do as I ask, and I will provide. But then, Here comes Satan, right? Hopping down the bunny trail, I feel like I want to say. And here he comes along, right? And he slithers into this whole situation where they're being provided for. You know, they got fruit and they got the land and everything's going so good. And then opportunity arises where Satan brings forth half-truth, right? And he starts talking to Eve and he points at the tree that God said, you cannot partake of this tree. You can have the rest of these. Just don't, don't even go over there, right? And he didn't, God didn't even tell Eve this. He told Adam, right? Which I'm assuming Adam maybe didn't tell her. I'm not sure. But here's Eve, and she's being convinced by Satan to consider this tree of good and evil and he points to the the fruit that's hanging on the tree. And he says, you will not surely die. You won't die. Why would God do that? God is a good God. He doesn't do that because he's a good God. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But I hear that in this day and age. When I even talk to people that confess to be Christians, That, well, God wouldn't do that because he's a good God. When God said, in that day that you do this, you will die. Adam knew this. But in our own perception of what we think we know about God, is like, but he's such a good God. Think about this. Eve had never seen anything evil. There was nothing in that world that was wrong. And so hard to think like, sure, you know, death wasn't even an option. They were going to live forever because it wasn't even entered into the world at that time. And then the temptation was, but then you can be like God. You can be like the father. What child doesn't want to be like their father? I want to be like my dad. And then to be tempted with, And then, you can have knowledge. Think how smart you'll be. So, in her disobedience, she partook. And then, in Adam's disobedience, he saw what was going on and saw that she didn't die like that. So he's like, huh? What's this all about? I'm want to try some of this. I want to be like God. I'm paraphrasing. And it says, "He partook. And then instantly, what happened? Shame. Shame. It wasn't from God. Where did the shame come from? It doesn't even say that Satan said anything about it, because he didn't have to. Because they knew they were disobedient. They had done something that they know that the Father God had said not to do. They were guilty. So they right away felt shame and they ran to cover themselves up and hid from God. And in that same scenario... When a man and a woman have done this and then all of a sudden something happens, it can be a shameful thing. And out of that desire to hide it, they'll seek out an abortion. Thinking, no one will ever know. But then here comes God. Where are you? Do you think you really didn't know where they were? (laughs) No. No. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Then the blame game starts. Well, he, well, she. God says, No, I said. That's what's mattered. That's what matters the most. What God commands. Life is precious, and we can't take it for granted. So then death enters into the world, and they're asked to leave Eden. And then from that point on, the mercies came through the forms of what? Sacrifices, sacrifice. So it's interesting in that sacrifice If Eve would have just sacrificed that temptation to like, you know what, no, I'm not going to eat that, right? So now all of a sudden, through her disobedience of that sacrifice, ushered in death. And now they're out here where death is now in their system, and now they need to sacrifice an animal to bring back life. And why is it? Why do they have to sacrifice an animal? What's that have to do with anything? You know, they're, they're animals. But God said, I want the purest, I want the first, I want the best sacrifice. And then what is it about the sacrifice itself? It says in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says that the life of the animal is in the blood. Right? The life is in the blood. And it says that it's going to be given for an atonement on the altar for your life. So the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. But what happened? When Adam and Eve gave over to disobedience, the bloodline changed. All of a sudden, now death was in. And so now, down the line, it happens. Continues and continues and continues as they have children, and they multiply, and they are fruitful, but they're born into this inheritance of death and something needs to atone for it and atone is a covering okay so now my life I have death in me and then I atone for it by blood so when I'm, we sing about it, that we're covered in the blood so when God the Father looks upon sin now which he cannot even do It's not even possible. He is so holy, so pure, so perfect in all his ways, he can't even look upon sin. But now when he looks upon me, he sees the sacrifice blood of Jesus, the atonement, the covering, his life, the life in his very blood that was never tainted, perfect and pure and holy, atones, covers me, and my life, I am set apart. The sanctity of my life is in Jesus. And he did this. Jesus did this for who? When Jesus died on the cross, we say this, but I don't think we really understand and comprehend what we, when we say this. Jesus died for who? Go ahead and say it. All of us, right? How can that be? He died for all. So are we talking like these people that live next door that have never been to church, that I can see their house sitting right there and, you know, did they die for them, even though they don't profess Christianity? They don't know Jesus? The people driving up and down Broadway right now that are heading to Cadolbas to go get lunch that despise church and hate Christians? Did he die for them? Yeah. Yeah, his sacrifice was for their life too. What separates us from that? Belief. Right on, Jody. It's our Belief. Because it's already done. The sacrifice is done. He's atoned for us. And then if we put a belief system into that, then that's what ushers us in to going back to the garden, back to Eden, knowing Christ and him crucified is our atonement, knowing that his mercies are new every day. It was a once and for all. It wasn't I have to do sacrifices every day. Jesus was the once and for all atonement for our lives. So now, when a young woman, a couple, find themselves in a situation where they've had an abortion, and they've spilled blood, young blood, the guilt and the condemnation that Satan wants to just steep upon them. I cannot imagine. The guilt I've felt for sins in my past of not even close to that, let alone something that like that, because it's life. It's a baby. It's created in the image of God. It's the most helpless human form there is, prior to even being born. And there's this child. And now all of a sudden, out of shame i've done something that i've i've regretted forever i've regretted from the moment it happened what do we have to offer to them we come here every sunday to get equipped not so i can get better i can't get any better <laughs> I'm saved. I'm atoned for. I'm not gonna get any more saved. I'm not gonna get any less saved. Do you know Jesus? Did you wake up this morning? Are you under his mercy? You have something people need to know. 39% of the girls that come into our clinic said that they heard word of mouth. That's the largest percentage you know, then it goes down the line, you know, they Google this, whatever, but 39% heard from somebody. This is not just, oh, this is for somebody that needs to hear it. This is for you and every other person that calls themselves a Christian, because chances are you're going to meet somebody that might be in this situation, and we don't know if they're in that situation. There is a large percentage of girls that are sitting in our pews that are having sex and then they're going to get pregnant and then the shame is just gonna overwhelm them. And we live in a day and age now where they, it is very easy and savvy and they can order an abortion. It can come medicinally, it can come in the mail. They can make a trip down to Fargo on Wednesday and be one of the 20 to 25 girls every Wednesday to have an abortion without their parents knowing. And even if their parents know, we hear this on a regular basis. There is several judges that will usurp parents' rights which have none, parents don't have any rights, and will say, no, that child has the right to an abortion based on Roe versus Wade. And because there is no parental rights in the books, the judges will go, yep, here you go, here's your ticket, go ahead, good luck. Better luck next time. But we, as neighbors, as friends, as family members, have what? The answer, the truth, the hope. Jesus. I know of a couple that supports Dakota Hope, and they found out from their neighbor, who was willing to tell them this, I think it was a Monday. They told them that, yeah, well, and they're Christians, right? But their 15-year-old daughter had gotten pregnant. And they were super just wiped out. And the parents told these people from that Support Dakota Hope, they told them their neighbors. They said, "Yeah, so pray for us. We're going to take our daughter to Fargo on Wednesday and we'll just so she can finish high school and go on to college." Just, you know, and she's learned her lesson. She'll never do this again. They went, what? And without even talking to each other said, we will take that baby. We will take that baby. And they said, yes. Two days before that child was going to be executed. That baby's alive today. I've met them several times, and their neighbors, their neighbors, love your neighbor, right? What kind of sacrifice are we willing to do? Telling people about Jesus is not a sacrifice. It is a command. It is a purpose. It is our destiny. And when we have the love of Christ in us, we have life and my life is sanctified, right? So the sanctity of every life is so important. Jody read it this morning. For God so loved the world that none should perish. That none should perish. Do you know that we, we serve a God that would give mercy, would have given mercy to Jeffrey Dahmer, Hitler, the worst of the worst people that we can think of in our minds. God's mercies were still for them even. How much more is it for me? How much more is it for her that has done something so horrible? But for us to think, well, Jesus, you don't have enough blood to spill to cover my sin. No, one droplet was enough to cover my sin and yours. It is sufficient. So I encourage you that this is not just another ministry. This is not just another, we're looking for money. This is one of the most important things in our world, our life, that we could ever deal with. I could care less if you give a dollar But if you embrace this for what it is, learn more about what it is, this is not a political thing at all. This is a life and death, eternal life and death issue. It is so important. And the more you get educated, the more you understand, the easier it is to talk about it. Just like knowing more about Jesus. It's amazing. I encourage you today just to ask somebody, hey, where do you go to church? It's amazing what that opens up. A lot. I do it a lot. Where do you go to church? Now, in the final minutes, I got to zoom off to Berthold to go talk to the Catholics, the Lutherans, and the Baptists. Serious, all in one shot. (laughs) And before I leave, though, I just want to open it up to questions because the thing is, is that I know a lot of times it's like, okay, this is all fine and dandy and yeah, I'm pro-life, but blah, 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 blah. I've heard this. You know, like, have anybody that, even if you are 100% pro-life, I don't care. It doesn't mean that you're doubting your stance, but if you've heard a question asked that makes you go, huh, I wonder how you would answer that. I want you to ask me right now. Anybody have a question? Like I said, just be the devil's advocate right now and just try to stump me with something hard don't be the devil's advocate yeah. <laughs> that's a weird term isn't it <laughs> be the lord's advocate anybody got a question like i said this is, doesn't mean that you're doubting anything about pro life matters or doubting your christian walk it's just a question that you've heard in general how huh what if you're raped yep and so i hear that Quite often when I'm talking to people. Yeah, I even heard this from a pastor last year. Him and I were standing at an event and we were working this table thingy and he's like, yeah, I'm 100% back, but in cases of rape and incest, don't you agree? That'd be okay. I'm like, no, I'm not. Because it's still a child. It's still a baby, right? It's a horrible, horrible thing. One of the best cases I can think of, we had a 13-year-old girl that was brought in by, with her mother, this is right after we started, and the FBI brought her into our clinic, thinking that we were going to help. You know what I mean by help, right? To get rid of the baby, get rid of the problem, so this girl can continue leaving. And the reason the FBI was involved is because, worst case scenario, this was the father, her dad. Incest rape, 13, (sighs) and I can understand, before all this, I was told, I would have been 100% on board with that thinking, but I'm not now, she talked to our nurses, the mom, and they told her options and explained what they could do, parent, adopt, abortion, and we explain those options. We don't refer out for abortions. We don't perform abortions. But we talk about the first two. Parenting that child would be unbelievable, right? It's like, wow, how would that even be? But they chose to adopt. No physical ailments. Not like people say, well, the child's going to come up. Even if, even if there was an ailment with that child, that's still not a reason to abort. And that child's alive today, probably close to the age of my six-year-olds, walking around somewhere in Minot. And if I saw that child today and be like, oh, you don't deserve to live because you were conceived in rape. That doesn't make any sense, does it? In the case of a woman being, oh, let's, whatever situation it might be that the woman, maybe they say that she might die in the process of giving birth. That's always brought up. And that's usually one of the ones that's left as an option, you know, if there is any for abortion. But in the baby doctors I've ever talked to, they say there's no reason for that at all. It actually takes a little bit more effort to kill one of your patients than to try to, to save them. And the same amount of efforts it's gonna take to save the mom and the baby To extract the baby, it doesn't mean we have to kill it first before we take it out. We can extract the baby however we can through a C-section or whatever it might be. We heard about that this morning. Best odds are for both is to try and save both. And each situation is different. I agree. I mean, they're all different. But the thing is, is that why would we side on the option of death? Guess that's what Satan whispers in our ears. Just like when Eve was reaching for that fruit. God says it's death, but Satan's saying it's life. It's life. It's going to make you like God. You can decide for yourself. You can do what you want to do. It's life. Created in the image of God. This morning, Toby's going to the band is going to perform a song that Toby wrote a number of years ago now that this is so cool. So last weekend I had to speak at another church and I pulled out this thumb drive and I was going to upload some pictures on there or whatever and I put it in and this video was on there that I had created for Toby to do at something. I don't know, this was a few years ago. And I started reading the words and I was like, I started just to weep a little bit because I was like, thank you Father. I forgot she even wrote this song, sang this song. So I'm going to invite you guys to come up here play this song and Mike's got the words too what we have is forgiveness that we can offer that people need to know about Jesus so that way when they do walk into something we need to talk to our children about forgiveness because if there is that day and time when they step into something that they shouldn't have stepped into I always told my girls, I said, if, I don't care if you guys are lying in the ditch with a needle in your arm, you can call me, and I'm not going to condemn you at all. But let's talk about these things that are, can prevent you from being in that spot. I met a girl that wanted to get an abortion. She, and this was just random samps. I mean, she knew who I was and everything. And... She, was, she goes, yeah, I'm pregnant. And I said, good for you. And, but I could tell by her face she was not excited. She goes, yeah. She goes, but it's out of wedlock. And she goes, my parents would not understand. She goes, my dad was like you. She goes, my dad was that guy that would go to Fargo and stand outside and, and call out to the girls and say, you don't have to do this. My dad was so pro-life. She goes, I grew up in that world. And now here I am. And I just begged her. I said, please come in and talk to us. I said, just, I said, let this, let some time go by. Don't do anything hasty. And she had that little boy. And I've had to deal with her some, through some real estate stuff and I've got to meet him. And she's just like, I remember the first time I got to meet him and she was just like, thank you. She goes, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Forgiveness, right? So we're going to sing this song and then I'll close in prayer. We're not going to sing. Stay seated.